0: What do we nurses and nursing students really know about the structure of the NCLEX and how to pass it successfully with less stress and anxiety? Let's talk all about the NCLEX with nurse expert Damian Keith Jenkins right here on episode 234 of the Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I'm so grateful you're here, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the virtual airwaves for months or perhaps even years. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, medicine, nursing, and beyond. This episode of The Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by Trusted Health, who've replaced the traditional job search and staffing approach with an intelligent matching platform that empowers nurses to discover opportunities that fit their unique experiences and goals. Instead of a commissions-based recruiter, Trusted Health uses nurse advocates who work commission-free, thus their goal is to connect each nurse to the travel assignments they want and supporting them every step of the way. Check them out at trustedhealth.com forward slash Nurse Keith, and I thank Trusted Health for their generous support. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 234. Now on to Damian Keith Jenkins, no relation, of course, and his company, The Nurse Speak. So Damian, for most nurses, the NCLEX is a total bear, isn't it?
1: Oh my goodness, some people struggle so much to get through it, but the good news is it's not impossible to pass.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I failed the first time. I'm always very transparent about that, and it was such a bummer. Oh my God, it was such a bummer, but I did pass the second time, and I wish I had had your help the first time. So what is it about the NCLEX? Let's just cut to the chase. Why is it so hard for some of us?
1: So the best way that I can describe that is that in nursing school, the professors don't have full capability of structuring the questions on exams because you are still learning the information. The NCLEX assumes that you already know the information, mm-hmm. and in that fact, they can structure the questions at the application and analysis level, which are the highest levels of thinking. And because you're still learning the content throughout nursing school, unless you're doing exit exams in nursing school to test back on information that you've previously learned, there's no way that they can truly question or create questions in the format that the way the NCLEX does. And so therefore, it makes you think at a whole different level. And not all nursing schools are successful at preparing their students for that application of the information because they are learning it so compactly throughout the program.
0: So this, I'm sorry, Damien, but this sounds like a setup. It sounds like a total setup.
1: It does sound like a setup. (laughs) Um, And so the second part to that question, or the second part of my answer would be that the NCLEX strives to simulate a real-world scenario that you, the nurse, would have to critically think through in the best way possible. And the only way to do that is to formulate questions at the application and analysis level. Um, Because you have to be able to keep your calm. You have to be able to view all of the answer choices as options and systematically eliminate answer choices based off of what you know. And again, going back to just learning information in a nursing program, they can't write all of their exam questions at the application or analysis level, which are the higher level questions on the NCLEX.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you say higher level, do you mean this is where it takes your thinking up to like a real, maybe not expert, but like a real competency level when they're asking that type of question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the NCLEX is structured to where they have basically a four-tier question. We don't like to say points because it's not points awarded for each question you answer correctly. But there are four levels of questions. You have your basic understanding or comprehension, or knowledge level, then you have comprehension, then you have application, then you have analysis. The application and analysis questions will put you over the passing threshold much faster than the comprehension or understanding level questions.
0: Oh, so comprehension would be like the uh, normal platelet count is or something like that. Like just an informational piece of data.
1: Yeah, very basic. All nurses should graduate school knowing that. But if we start to formulate the question to actually have a nurse apply that data, Mm -hmm. then it becomes a higher level question, which are your passing level questions on the NCLEX.
0: I see. So do these sorts of multiple choice tests and the way that they're structured, do they really tell us enough about what kind of nurse someone will be and how skilled they are?
1: Absolutely not. Okay.
0: So what does it really tell us then?
1: Really, all it's telling us is that the candidates who take the test and pass have demonstrated minimum competency for entry level into practice, which means they retained enough of the information that they learned in nursing school, and they have the basic critical thinking foundation to apply the information in situations that would deem necessary for patient safety. That's all they really care about. They just care that you have sound nursing judgment, that you're competent in your basic nursing knowledge, and that you can make safe decisions for your patients and for yourself and for your colleagues.
0: I see. So they're, I guess they're assuming that in terms of the skill-based stuff that you do, like inserting a catheter, mm-hmm. doing venipuncture, changing a central line dressing, they're assuming, I guess, that you learned how to do that in school and you know how to do the physical task.
1: Yes. So they challenge you on the knowledge base level. So if you can articulate the steps in which you should do a Foley insertion, for instance, from mm-hmm. start to finish, A through Z, if you can articulate that, then they they assume then you can physically do it. And that's where much of our training, once we have passed the NCLEX, much of our orientation training is structured the way that it is, because now we know that you've have proven minimum competency, but now me as your preceptor in your new job, we have to now validate that you can do the physical component.
0: I see. Because some people
1: don't have the academic and the clinical pieces that go hand in hand.
0: Good um, point. Good point.
1: So that might need, they might need a little bit more training hands-on if that's
0: the case. Right. And that's where precepting and orientation come in. Exactly. Now, <laughs> a minute or two ago, you said, if you knew how to do a Foley cath every step A to Z, and no wonder I failed the NCLEX the first time, because I didn't know there were 52 steps. <laughs> exactly. I thought there were like 12. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me there were 52 steps to inserting a catheter?
1: Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it is a setup.
0: <laughs> well, maybe I just didn't know you back in 1995. <laughs> that was my problem.
1: Okay. yeah I wasn't a nurse then
0: ah you know what the real bummer was. I graduated from school. we had this huge celebration. I won the clinical expertise award or clinical excellence award for my entire class. I was elected to do the commencement speech, so I was like the star of the class, and then I was one of a handful of people in the class who failed and mm-hmm. it was so demoralizing and I found out we went away to Europe to celebrate me and my my teenage son and my wife, we come back and there's a stack of mail. And my wife was like, don't open it, don't open it. And I opened it. And it said that I had failed. And it was like, my whole like European trip sort of faded into this miasma of disappointment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I completely understand that it can <sighs> be disappointing for people who who aren't successful on the first attempt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but After all of the experience of helping people pass the NCLEX, I can say that, you know, sometimes it really is just rethinking about how you're answering the questions.
0: Yeah and i'm just not a good test taker and i know that about myself and that's why when i go to graduate school the next year or two i'm not going to a school that requires the gre because i would probably rather stab myself in the eye
1: i agree <laughs> i agree with that i've i've been looking at you know doctor programs and any program that wants a gre i'm like mm, i'm not interested
0: yep yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for for actually psych or sociology programs that are MAs not MSs and that don't require <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TRV. it's I mean, I just it. I know myself. I, I get know myself.
1: Test taking strategy isn't for everyone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went to the eye doctor last week, and I almost died from having to make the choice between you know choice A and choice B. You know, Which I, thought one's I, gonna, clearer, right? I thought I was I thought I was going to end up with glasses that you know made me look like you know I was wearing Coke bottle lenses. So, you know, I that kind of test makes suspect. me nervous. Oh, yeah.
1: Because I can never really tell if the left eye is clear or the right eye. I just guess at that (laughs) point. I'm like, I don't know. I can't even see it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's a good one. Anyway, I'll just say, just speaking of, we're digressing, but I'm going to digress a little more. There's this comedian called Brian Regan, R-E-G-A-N, and he has an amazing sketch he does about going to the eye doctor. Nice. <laughs> and I'm really good one about the ER too. And if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Anyway, awesome. I just want to point out that you've been a nurse for how long?
1: I graduated in 2010.
0: 2010. So nine yep. years ago, as of this- recording, and you're a clinical practice education specialist.
1: That's just really a fancy name for nurse educator that focuses on staff development.
0: It sounds great. and It does. Obviously, you're an NCLEX prep expert, and you have a company called The Nurse Speak, and we're going to talk about your company. You also write. You're a content writer, and you provide individualized NCLEX preparatory tutoring services for new grads. And I understand from you that you have a 100% pass rate for everyone who's done NCLEX prep with you.
1: That is correct.
0: That is amazing. And how many years is that now?
1: I've been doing this for about four years, and I've been officially the nurse speak in business for a little over two years.
0: Okay, but you've been doing NCLEX prep with people for four years. Correct. And did you start just like doing it on the side, like just for people here and there without having an actual business?
1: Yes. um, I got a lot of referrals from the college that I was teaching for as an adjunct faculty member, Um, whether we would have nursing students who are still in the program who are really interested in starting to get ahead oh. on studying or people who weren't successful and in order for the school to you know have their their scores go up and not go down, they need these individuals to pass even if it is a second or third attempt.
0: Oh because um, it reflects on the school It reflects right?
1: on the school absolutely. Right. They can't do anything about the first unsuccessful attempt. That automatically drops that first time pass rate. However, We have a second, third, fourth time pass rates that we are still using in tiering schools for how well they prepare their students. Because a lot of people don't know this, but last year, the total average of people who pass the NCLEX, and this is, you know, cumulative of first time, second time, international students, all of that. It was like a low 80th percentile. So there's a big chunk of new graduate nurses who don't pass the NCLEX. And a lot of people don't know that.
0: So for that person out there listening, feeling like, I can't do this. I'm in nursing school. I'm about to graduate in December and I'm going to take it in January or something. I feel like I'm going to die. So first they know Nurse Keith failed the first time. So like, oh, okay. If Nurse Keith failed, then you know, maybe I'll pass. (laughs) And they also can know that 20% of people taking this exam actually don't pass the first time. So it's not a death sentence on your career. And it's not a sentence on how much you actually know or how skilled you are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it really does not reflect on that at all. Okay. Either some people are excellent test takers and know the strategies ahead of time, Uh or they need a little assistance with that.
0: Right. Now, I was like a 85 to 86 student on my <laughs> exams. Like, I was a B student in nursing school. I got A's and like prereqs and stuff. But once I got into nursing school, solid B's and occasional A. And You're,
1: you're the average then because right. that happens to most students.
0: Okay. And in yeah. your estimation, because you've done this with a lot of people, mm-hmm. so – If you're an average student, like a B or B minus student, you can fully prepare well and pass the NCLEX.
1: Absolutely. I've had had individuals who barely passed nursing school Mm -hmm. and passed on the first time. I've had clients who had straight A's throughout nursing school, which I was very suspect of until they proved to me and showed me their transcript. And they had to repeat the NCLEX several times before they sought out professional help. Yeah. So it really just depends on, it actually depends on a lot of things. I said, whether you're a good test taker or not, but it also depends on your home situation. Are you having a good time at home? Are you having a bad time? I know of individuals who have told me that they think they're cursed because every time they go to take the NCLEX, something terrible happens the day before. Like they get into a car accident or they have a loved one that passes or their house floods. Oh no. And I'm like, Why are you continuing to go for the testing date the next day if these bad things are happening? That should be an omen for you to say, this is not time.
0: Uh But you can't pull out of a testing date the day before you're going to test, can you? You
1: have 24 hours.
0: Ah, so make sure anything bad that happens happens more than 24 hours hours prior. Okay, Once, once it's 24 hours, nothing can happen. (laughs) Right? <laughs> and, that's only, and
1: that's only so you don't have to repay. It's not the end of the world if you miss a test date within that 24 hours. Unfortunately, you lose the NCLEX fee, oh, which is a couple hundred bucks. Right, But it, again, it's not the end of the world. If, if your life is in chaos, then the only time I would say that it's appropriate to still test is if it's your last opportunity within the six-month window of your ATT. Once you get your ATT from the NCLEX saying that you're able to test, and if this is your last opportunity within that window, then sure, go ahead and take it because you have nothing to lose at that point. But if you still have lots of time to play around with your test date, don't rush into it. Take time and make sure it's the right time.
0: Good point. Now, around that ATT and that six-month window, let's say... I take it three times in that six month window and I fail. What happens at the end of that six months?
1: So actually, if you take the NCLEX and you fail, you have to wait 45 days before they issue a new ATT. But each ATT is good for six months. That's how that works.
0: Oh, okay. okay. I thought like after six months, you're like cut off for a long period of time.
1: No, actually, there is no limit on how much you can take the NCLEX. However, a lot of states require that if you have not passed the NCLEX after five years of graduating nursing school, then you are required to take a six-month refresher course.
0: I've heard that before. So yeah, that, it's not every state, but it is sense. a lot of the states. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I can actually see why a state board of nursing would require that sure. at a certain point. That actually makes sense, and yeah. it would probably increase the confidence of the student at that point.
1: Ab- absolutely, because they've, they've forgotten
0: everything. But. Yeah, and they're also so anxious exactly. that- you know, how do you even begin to think about doing it again when you've been through this, this monstrous experience, which exactly. I'll call it a monstrous experience. It so, is. Yeah. Uh, Damien, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about your history as a nurse. And I also want to talk about fighting anxiety and what we can do to get over that anxiety and ace the crap out of this test. Okay. Awesome. All right. This episode of the Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by Trusted Health, a company built by nurses for nurses to understand what opportunities exist and connect to them in the most efficient and transparent way possible. They've replaced the traditional job search and staffing approach with an intelligent matching platform. Empowering nurses to discover opportunities that fit their unique experiences, preferences, and goals. Instead of a commissions-based recruiter, Trusted Health uses nurse advocates, nurses just like you, some of whom have even traveled, who were commission-free. Because they're all commission-free, their goal isn't to get nurses into any open jobs. Instead, they focus on connecting each of their nurses to the travel assignments they want and supporting them every step of the way, before, during, and and after their assignment. And just in case you're wondering, they'll come right out and say it too. No, they don't hound you with phone calls and emails about jobs that you're not interested in, just the information you want when you want it. If you're interested, check out www.TrustedHealth.com forward slash Keith. That's TrustedHealth.com forward slash Keith. Fill out some basic information about your preferences and qualifications, and you can get started viewing job matches personalized for you in minutes. Join Trusted. They're not just an agency. They're a movement. And I thank Trusted Health for their generous support. Now, let's get back to the second half of this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out here on The Nurse Keith Show, episode 234. The show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode 234. And we are speaking with Damian Keith Jenkins, my friend and colleague from the National Nurses and Business Association. He's smiling at me over Skype right now as we speak. You have the nicest smile, Damian.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: I'm sure your husband thinks so too. He does. Yes. Now, We were talking about the NCLEX and how many times you can take it in the six-month window and da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, so what was it like when you took it? How were you feeling and what was the format and what were things like in 2010 when you sat down to do this?
1: Okay. Well, uh, fortunately, it's not that much different. Than the experience that test takers have today. Okay, um, It's still computerized. It's still in a secured environment where you have to fingerprint in, put all of your personal belongings in a locker. You are scheduled, assigned breaks. You can take more breaks than that if you like, um, but they pause your exam. They escort you to and from the restroom to make sure that you're not passing notes. And they keep it very, very kind of restricted I to see. prevent the temptation for cheating.
0: No, they don't test your urine, right?
1: They do not do a drug test. (laughs) Okay. Um, But the Board of Nursing usually (laughs) requires that before they process your uh, application.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Even if you pass the NCLEX, if you have a bad criminal background or drug screen that's positive, they can withhold your license.
0: Right. That I do know. So when you sat down, it was a computerized test. And did you get the 75 questions and the computer turned off or did yours go longer?
1: I did get 75, and it did shut off, mm-hmm. and I was certain that I failed, and I remember going home, um, which was about a 25-minute drive from the testing center where I was, mm-hmm. and I cried the entire time oh, because dear. I was just certain that the questions were so challenging and that I, I felt that I did my best, but I wasn't confident about the answers, and to my surprise, a couple of days later, I did get um, information that I passed.
0: Couple days?
1: Couple days. So Man, in
0: 1996, I had to wait like six weeks.
1: I know. I'm so sorry they put you <laughs> through that torment. Now there's a way that you can pay for early release. Hmm. And then there's also a Pearson View trick that some individuals do which basically is if you try to re-register for the NCLEX, approximately, they say to wait a good 24 hours, but if you try to re-register for the NCLEX through Pearson View and it says, we're sorry, but you already registered, that's usually good news.
0: Oh, I see. Now, let's address what I think might be a myth, but I want to make sure that we clarify this. Sure. I've generally heard that when you get to 785 questions and the computer shuts off, you've passed. Is that always true or is it not always true?
1: It's not always true because you can also fail at 75 questions.
0: So 75 is like the minimum number of questions. So if you're doing really, really, really poorly, it's going to shut off at 75. Correct. And if you're doing awesome, it's going to shut off at 75.
1: That is correct.
0: Now, I remember the first time I took it, this was 1996, I got way more than 75 questions. So I must have been not doing so well, but it kept trying to figure out, where I was headed. And I know the questions can tend start to get easier, which is a bad sign. Right. right? Okay. Correct. So if the questions start getting more complicated and challenging, you're doing well.
1: Yeah. Usually when the questions are coming at you at the application and analysis level, where you really have to critically think through and use kind of a combination of, you know, strategy, if you will, some kind of strategy to help guide your decisions, then you're doing better. But what a lot of test takers don't realize is that that's a good thing that the questions are getting hard. Instead, they start to get really anxious because they're having to think harder, which now they're starting to second guess themselves instead of just being like, oh, I know that platelet count. Oh, I know what insulin's for. Oh, I know that you would need to put the handrails up so the person doesn't fall out of the bed when when you're doing well you're having to apply knowledge to very complex situations and that can be very stressful in a timed test that means so much to individuals
0: it's yeah it's a high stakes test it's a is high what stakes we call test. it
1: you don't get your license to practice if you can't
0: pass yeah and it's it's a real bummer so okay so we we dispelled the 75 question myth now how That's about correct. when you're at 90 100 105 110 questions you can still mm-hmm. pass
1: you can still pass and you can still fail. Okay. So let me run through the rules real quick of Please. how many questions you can get. So it's 75 pass or fail. That is the minimum amount of questions that you have to answer before the computer can make a decision. And again, if you're definitely failed, it shuts off at 75. If you definitely pass, it shuts off at 75. You can pass at 76, 77, 78, all the way up to 265. Ooh,
0: right? torture. Okay.
1: Or you can fail at 76 all the way up to 265.
0: So there's no real clue as to how you're doing unless you're paying attention, which you should be, knowing that your answers are getting easier or harder.
1: So that is one of the strategies that you can look at if you feel like the questions are really just kind of regurgitation, just basic knowledge. Yeah. You know, it's not at the application or analysis level, then you need to really slow down and focus on answering those questions correctly. Mm Because if you answer those incorrectly, you will continue to go below the passing threshold. But if you answer those correctly, then it will put you either at or above the passing threshold for an opportunity for the higher level questions so that you can stay above the passing threshold for a certain amount of time, which we do not know what that certain amount of time is. Mm -hmm. But once the computer determines that you have met minimum competency, it will turn off. I see. And then you, then you can go to a maximum of the 265, or the computer will shut off if you have ran out of your time, which is six hours for the RN.
0: Six hours. Oh, man. It's a I, long time. Again, I would want to stab myself in the eye. For you ophthalmic nurses out there, I didn't say that. Um, okay. <laughs> so if you could change one thing about the NCLEX, Damien, what would you change?
1: It's funny that you asked that because the one thing (laughs) that I wish I could change about the NCLEX was the amount of information that the creators, the NCBSN, if they had made their test plan more detailed. And good news, they must have heard my requests because this year's test plan, the new test plan that just dropped this April, is so super detailed that it is the best resource for anyone who's about to sit for the NCLEX to use as a guide for content for oh. them to study
0: so you they, feel like this is improved over
1: time oh it's it's going to be great it's going to be awesome for people like me who do tutoring for NCLEX it's going to be great for instructors and nursing programs mm-hmm. it's going to be great for the candidates who are getting ready to sit for the NCLEX because it is way more detailed than it has ever been. It gives very specific information about what you need to know. And then it even gives example questions for you to see how the NCLEX would structure a question around that particular concept. Nice. It's amazing. I think it's, it's going to really help improve the first-time pass
0: rates. I'm so glad you, to hear you, that. Utilize it. Yeah. We want people to pass. I mean, Absolutely. that's we want nurses out in the workforce, right? We so, need nurses. Yeah, yes. we need them. So take that yeah. test, people. Um, okay. So you had said that you started helping people with NCLEX Prep because you were teaching as an adjunct faculty member. Correct. Right? And yes. people were just asking you because they knew how smart you were? Is that- Well, I,
1: it's funny because one of the lead instructors for the college that I was- Working with just knew that I had a passion for helping my students. Okay. Um, and it was just a conversation that she had with me. She was wondering what my strengths were. And she asked, She's like, Hey, Damien, do you think that you're competent in test taking strategies for NCLEX? Because we've had a few students who were unsuccessful and we're looking for someone who can help tutor them, but I want it's something that you are interested in doing. Hmm. And I think the reason why that conversation stemmed is because I was already blogging. And I think I've written a couple articles maybe about NCLEX Prep. And she saw them and um, thought that she should ask. And that's kind of where it started. And then I, I kept getting referral after referral after referral. And it wasn't something set up with the college where I was being paid directly by the college. It was still for me and the individual to negotiate you know, terms. But, you know, most of these people were my own students that I had previously taught. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to charge them. I was really just trying to help them. Yeah. And then I kept getting so many and with the success rates and then them giving me feedback about how much they appreciated it, I started to think about, wow, this could be a business. Yeah. And it has been a successful business.
0: And you launched in 2000, I can't remember what year?
1: Eight. 17 no 17 2017 Gen- yeah right two is years when the ago. nurse speak was born yeah
0: yeah and why the nurse speak
1: so the nurse speak blog is where it started
0: oh and it started with the writing
1: it started with my writing oh right yeah. okay and so i didn't want to deviate from the nurse speak blog because i had already been you know kind of introduced to different um different networks and like Nurses over in Australia have kind of pinged my my uh, blog. You know, the American Journal of Nursing has pinged my blog. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to kind of eliminate those connections. And so since the nurse speak is literally, you know, what I'm doing, I'm speaking nursing. I felt like that would be a great name to continue with the company.
0: Great. Okay. Yeah. So do you help anybody with other exams like certification exams or anything like that?
1: So it depends on the certification. Um, I'm never really comfortable teaching anything that I'm not already certified in. Yeah. So anything nursing, basic nursing, nursing education, I can definitely do things like that. And then several of the certification courses like patient care technician, certified mm-hmm. medicine aide, geriatric nursing assistant, patient care technician, phlebotomy IV, those types of things, which are all nursing centric. I have expertise in all of those areas, so I can assist with tutoring and coaching for those, but I don't offer any certifications
0: currently. And that speaks to your, no pun intended, that speaks to your integrity as an instructor and a nurse and someone who is out there with a business that you only teach to the exams that you have specialty in. You're not trying to move outside of some area where you're not as conversant.
1: Absolutely. And if yeah. I'm going to teach anything outside of that, I have to become an expert in that subject first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I would never expect someone to pay me their hard earned money to teach them something that I'm not myself an expert in. Yeah. So that's why I stick to just nursing centric stuff. And I've had even people in DMP programs who have asked if I could tutor them. And I tell them no, because I don't have my doctorate. It right. wouldn't be right to tutor them. Yeah. Now if they wanted help with like a resume, things like that, sure, I could do that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I know those those basic skills.
0: Yeah. So if there's anyone out there who wants to help people pass their DNP exam, there's a business idea for you. There you go. Um, yeah, man, that would be really helpful. So yeah. Damien in terms of your history as a clinician, what are some of the highlights? Like what are the, some of the things you've done that you're either really proud of or you feel like really empower you to do the work you do now? Like what are what are your superpowers and the things you've done that you just want to make sure we talk about right now?
1: Awesome. Thank you. So, one of the things that I did relatively early in my career is identify where I wanted to go. I feel that that was very helpful for me in the trajectory of my career. Just six months out of nursing school, working as a nurse in a subacute rehab facility, I realized that the moment I left the NCLEX successful, high-quality education for me ended. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel, outside of the corporate classes that you have to attend as a new nurse resident, and you're kind of going over all the different things that the education team decides is important. But once you get dropped off on your, on your unit and then you have your clinical preceptor who is in the numbers taking care of their own team of patients while they're trying to teach you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there is no assigned nurse educator to the unit there's no one to have one-on-one coach conferences or anything like that to make sure that I have everything I need to be successful. The only person actually checking in with me on a regular basis is the director of nursing, and we all know that directors of nursing are way too busy to give the time that a new employee needs to express themselves and get comfortable and identify their learning needs. Yeah. So, right out of the gate, I realized I could do so much better than what I'm getting if I were in a position to teach. And so just, just right there, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back into school for nursing education. Because even if I'm not in the clinical setting, I could at least start in the academic setting and, and start teaching these nurses high quality, you know, individualized, personable education so that they get what they need out of it so they can be successful. Um, and, you know, we have, we've all had our nursing instructors in school, too, which are very strict by their way. It's their way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that conducive for my learning. And so I kind of made a promise to myself going into becoming an educator that I would never be like them. I would always consider the individual characteristics and needs of my students and that I would be flexible and compassionate and kind.
0: That is you all over. You are compassionate and kind. I can say that right Thank now you. with Thank with you complete you so confidence. Um, so, education is your passion.
1: Yeah. Right? So I found I found my passion in education. And, you know, I have to I had to go through the trenches just like everyone else. I mm-hmm. had to do the different levels of nursing. So I started in a long term care facility in subacute. Then I went into acute care and did progressive care on a busy telemetry floor. Then I moved up to intermediate care. Then I moved up to critical care. Then I specialized in cardiology. That kind of became my specialty as uh, my clinical focus. And then I started doing travel nursing because I wanted to, to gain different experiences from different regions. Mm. You know, I got my license in California. I got my license in Washington state. I got my license in Florida and I got my license in New York. Wow. And so with all of those varying experiences, I came back to Baltimore, which is where I'm stationed mm-hmm. and was really able to kind of collect all of that clinical experience and be utilized as an unofficial unit educator since I had my masters in nursing education and just learn so much that I can apply both in my practice today and with my clients.
0: Right. So you're not just not just you're not simply an educator, you're also a skilled clinician. Absolutely. You did your time, you earned your stripes in the trenches, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. And I haven't given bedside up completely. I still pick up shifts at the bedside occasionally to keep my skills sharp. Because one thing I will never have is a student that tells me, you're so far removed, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That will never happen. I will be 92 in a wheelchair taking care of patients if I have
0: to. (laughs) You'll have a robot (laughs) assistant by then?
1: Hopefully so.
0: Yeah, man, I hope so. Yeah, so when people want to find you, my understanding is that the best place to go is the dot com, right? Like that's the clearinghouse for all things Damien.
1: That is correct.
0: Right now, you're also your blog is the dot com forward slash blog, and you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn those those platforms. And correct. on LinkedIn, you're as Damien Jenkins, not as the nurse speak. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That'll all but be in the find,
1: Yeah. You can find the nurse speak business on LinkedIn as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Like nurse yeah. Keith coaching has a page on, on LinkedIn as well. Correct. So as a clinical practice education specialist, that's your title, C P E S we could Correct. say, what are some of the things, this is not NCLEX related. This is just. In your practice day to day, what are, what's an example of something someone would come to you for on the floor or floors where you're doing your job?
1: Sure. We actually do a lot of things. Um, I work for a pretty large healthcare system here in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And so we have three acute, four acute care hospitals, subacute nursing center, specialty hospital, and then we have outpatient adult day services, And then I'm just learning. I've been there since September, and I'm just learning that we have a lot of physician services out in the community as well. I see. But at my facility, which is the Nursing Center and Specialty Hospital, I help to do staff development for the subacute rehab unit, in addition to doing facility-wide and system-wide projects. Um, So on a day-to-day basis, I meet with the unit manager on the unit that I cover, I round on all of the staff and make sure that they have everything they need. How are things going? Are there any um, educational initiatives that they would like to see? We interview the staff about competencies. We like for them to be an active role in what competencies are going to be done rather than we just dictate that to them. Mm Um, and then we do a lot of auditing to make sure that we're ready for joint commission or for um, the state. In addition to any new hires, we do all of their onboarding. We teach in-services. We're getting ready to transition to a completely electronic health record system on the long-term care side of the facility I work at. So there's lots of planning and training for that, that is literally eating up the next three weeks of my life. Wow. But it's it's those types of things that I've always wanted to see happen at the facilities that I worked at before that I didn't see happen mm-hmm. because they didn't have people like me in the positions to help leadership make those things happen.
0: And that's so frustrating when you see that hole. Like there's Mm -hmm. this gaping like chasm Mm -hmm. in the unit or facility where you're working. You're like, oh, my God, we, we need educators. We need this or that. And So you're working for a health system that really steps up and provides what the clinicians need.
1: Absolutely. We're so fortunate to have a facility that has nearly every single unit covered by a nurse educator. That's you fantastic. don't see that in acute care facilities very much these days. You have educators that are covering several units or half of a hospital right. um, rather than be so intimate with you know a smaller group of staff, a smaller group of patients.
0: Exactly. So if someone wanted to be an educator, it would probably behoove them to look for a facility or a system where an educator is pretty focused in and not like covering some huge number of people who they can never really get to know well.
1: Right. Or yeah. a facility that might have that in place now, but is looking to step beyond that and staff more educators. That's I always see. a question that I would recommend um, as people are interviewing. Say, how are you going to expand your education department? What's your Instead of them asking you what your five-year plan is, ask them what their five-year plan is.
0: Turn that interview around.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah. if, if, if you can show from the beginning that you're interested in seeing growth and development, While you're utilizing your expertise, that's very impressive for someone. And maybe they weren't planning on doing it, but now that they know you're interested, you might be able to, you know, be the pilot on that campaign.
0: Right. Which could look really good on your CV as well.
1: Absolutely. It's going
0: to be an amazing accomplishment. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of accomplishments, as we wind down here, we're going to get to your top tips for NCLEX prep in a minute before we stop. However, I want to ask you as a nurse entrepreneur- Mm -hmm. You've really had this business, this LLC for two years. You're part of the National Nurses and Business Association. You Mm -hmm. speak there regularly. You and I will both be there September of 2019 speaking. You're going to talk about branding of your business. What are a couple things you love about being an entrepreneur or that you've learned about entrepreneurship that you'd like to share?
1: Sure. I mean, there's lots of things that I love about being an entrepreneur. One of the things is Freedom you know really being an entrepreneur i have the freedom to make executive decisions whether it's i want to take off for a week or whether i want to work 50 hours a week i don't mm-hmm. have someone else telling me to do that i do keep a pretty open availability even though i'm working a full time job right now to you know pay off some student loans and set myself up for success in the future okay but, you know, I like the f- the flexibility of, you know, when family comes into town, I can alter my schedule. I can build my clientele how I like to build my clientele. I get financial freedom because I have a surplus of income coming that's beyond my full-time job, which is really nice. Um, so I think freedom to kind of move through my business is the number one thing that I absolutely love about being an entrepreneur. The second thing that I think I really learned a lot from being an entrepreneur is really kind of believing in myself. Hmm. That's, That's probably the one item that has really impacted me because when I first started thinking about this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so overwhelming. Where do you even start? What is a tax code? What is this? I needed my own bank account for my business. This doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. so just the, the startup basics was so daunting. And then all of us nurses go through this process of what are we worth, right? Because we want to help everyone. We want to save the world. We want to give away our services. And so we have a hard time kind of you know, pricing out our products or our services. So true. Um, it's It's uncomfortable <laughs> to think about My time in dollars Uh rather than my time as quality care or a quality service. But, Uh you know, time is money. It is my life. I could be doing other things and I'm giving a high quality product. So I should be able to charge um, a competitive rate. Yeah. And so that's something that I learned to be more confident in. And with that confidence came more confidence to be able to speak at national conferences and to be more present on social media and to really put myself out there for judgment and potential ridicule or criticism, which fortunately I haven't had. I'm good.
0: Right, when you become a public figure, you're opening yourself up to everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you have very similar things you love about it that I do. So it's, I think a lot of these things are universal for those of us who are entrepreneurs, whether we have a side hustle you know a right. couple hours a week where we earn a few hundred dollars extra a, a month maybe or we have a full blown business like I do where I don't do anything else or where you have a full time job plus a business which I'm sure is a heavy lift especially when you have your husband and your mom in your house sick right now right so, this minute <laughs> right this minute so yeah um by the time this airs they'll be all better i promise they will you.
1: be better okay. and i will be closer <laughs> to doing my business full time you know i do have a plan and, you know, eventually I will take the leap and make the nurse speak my full-time
0: career. I'm excited about that. Me and too. We'll talk about that more, you know, down the road when you do leap into do doing like webinars and workshops and online courses, Absolutely. I'm going to have you back because we're going to talk about the next iteration of your business. I can't wait. So as, nor can I, so as we finish up, what are your top tips for NCLEX prep?
1: All right. So I kind of already talked about the first one a little bit. And number one is to really visit the NCSBN website and download the test plan.
0: The National Council on State Boards of Nursing. Correct. Yes.
1: Download that test plan, it is the Bible that you will be going by for your content. It covers every single topic that you should be competent in before you sit for the exam. All right. That is the first thing you should do before you do anything else. Second tip for the NCLEX is to really kind of go through and make a realistic study plan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't plan out their time of how many hours per week they're going to be studying. That they don't know where their weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know if they should spend time reviewing content or reviewing strategy. And so that's where experts can help, you know, to, to guide. But you should, before you get there, sit down and try to create a concrete study plan. Because not everyone needs to have tutoring and not mm-hmm. everyone needs to seek out a specialty. So definitely have a study plan. I recommend a month. From graduation before you test. Okay. That usually gives enough time for you to read through the study plan and then review the content that you weren't so confident on and then maybe practice some NCLEX style questions from one of the many resources out there.
0: Right. Whether you take a Kaplan course or they work with uh, yeah, you there's, there's or you Kaplan, just buy a book or whatever right, Mark you're using. Klimick,
1: there's REMAR. There's all kinds of things out there. Yeah. And some are strategy focused and some are content focused, and some of them do a pretty good job of blending both of those. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then you have said before, I've heard you say that you have to embrace the nursing process, that that is, a, you have to do that. You have to understand it in and out and actually utilize it in your thinking.
1: So the NCLEX questions, the application and analysis questions are structured using the nursing process. Yeah. In order for you to actually critically think, you have to start with assessment and move all the way through evaluation before you can be sure that you're on the right path. That is what separates nurses from the rest of the medical field, the nursing process. And it is a critical thinking tool that was developed so that we can, you know, basically scrutinize every possibility before we make a decision.
0: Right. So that's your guiding structure.
1: Absolutely. The nursing
0: process. Never
1: forget it. If you didn't master it before you graduated, you will before you test for the
0: NCLEX. Do it now. Do it. Well, Damien, you are a real treasure for the nursing profession for entrepreneurs who want to be inspired by you, by new nurses, novice nurses who want to pass the NCLEX and have you support them in doing that. And you are just a stand up guy and a wonderful person. And I just can't thank you enough for being here.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: You're awesome.
1: <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs>
0: Well, there you have it. So much awesomeness. Thanks for listening to The Nurse Keith Show. Or remember those show notes with lots of things about Damien and the nurse speaker at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 234. And if you head over to nursekeith.com to the drop down menu under resources, you will find ZipRecruiter. That's right. Jobs from ZipRecruiter, jobs from Reload. You'll find OpenMD, which is your best source for free evidence-based information and so much more, including free ACLS and BLS certification. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com, and Mark Cappy is our social media ringmaster. Keep tuning in again and again. We'll continue to explore how to powerfully elevate your life and career into your very own personal and professional stratosphere be well dig deep seek joy keep in touch this is nurse keith saying adios till next time from beautiful sunny santa fe new mexico and damien keith jenkins bidding you see you later from
1: baltimore maryland see you baltimore, later, baltimore
0: maryland thank you <laughs> damien and we thank will you so catch much. you on the flip side
1: see you later